Hey, Retrospectors, for our third birthday, we've filmed an hour-long Q&A answering your questions. We discuss our favourite facts, how we make the show, and what we've learned along the way. If you're already supporting us on Patreon, thank you. You can watch it right now at patreon.com slash retrospectors. And if you're not a Patreon member, sign up. You don't have to pay a thing to become a free member and watch it now. So check it out. It's free. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's April 26th, 1859, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Daniel E. Sickles achieved a lot in his long life. U.S. Senator, diplomat, Civil War general. But it was today in history in 1859 that he received a rather more dubious honour, becoming the first person in U.S. history to successfully escape a murder charge using the insanity defence, even though pretty much nobody thought he was insane. Because he was saying that he was only temporarily insane at the time of the murder that he did commit and expressed no remorse for so doing. (laughs) But his legal team, his crack legal team, because, as you said, he was a congressman, managed to come up with this defence, which had never been heard in a US courtroom before, of temporary insanity, just at the time of the murder. And it only took the jury 70 minutes of deliberation to agree with this idea. And after the verdict of not guilty was read out, there were cheers in the courtroom, which speaks to Sickles' really broad popularity. But this was all after a 21-day trial. And just to give you a sense of the thing that he wasn't guilty of, (laughs) so Sickles shot and killed the US District Attorney Philip Barton Key. This he does not dispute on a Sunday morning near Lafayette Park in Washington, D.C., following his wife's confession the previous day of her protracted affair with Key. And again, he's not guilty of this crime, despite having shouted, Key, you scoundrel, you have dishonoured my house, you must die, and then shooting him to death. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Sickles found out about this affair through an anonymous letter, not from noticing himself, because he was usually out with his mistresses in the entire time that they were living in Washington, D.C. They had... I mean, I'll give you the facts and you can just make up your own minds about this relationship. Where do I start? Start with when they met, when she was 16 and he was 33. Well, okay, let's put it this way. He was 17 when she was born. (laughs) (laughs) So her name was Teresa Bagioli originally. She was from a prominent Italian musical family. Her father was a celebrated composer and her mother was the adopted daughter of Lorenzo da Ponte, who was the librettist of The Marriage of Figaro and Don Giovanni. Sickles was a friend of da Ponte's son, Lorenzo Jr., and he had known Teresa from infancy. And soon after the marriage, Sickles got a diplomatic post in England, so he brought with him Fanny White, his long-term mistress. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's plenty to say about hypocrisy in here, but in fact, this had been the first scandal of Sickles' career when he was serving in the New York State Assembly. He had 
taken Fanny White, a notorious well-known madam, a classy one, a classy escort lady, but still not someone a state senator should really be seen with. Not only did he introduce her to the other representatives at breakfast in their hotel, he was even arrested after taking her out on the town and she was disguised as a man. And it was at that junction with his political career at risk, he decided it was a great time to get married and he knew Mm. just the, you know, untainted 15-year-old girl. Well, he was a social climber, wasn't he? And what's very clear is that he was using Theresa as a fig leaf to be part of polite society. And this is what he played on later. You know, the the fact that this murder happened in Lafayette Square, basically just across the road from the White House, is because he lived there, because he was that kind of mover and shaker, right? Like, he Mm. he wanted to be seen. His house, their house, was a place of great parties and dinner soirees and all the rest of it. And so... He was using his relationship with her. Um, you know, and they genuinely had a marriage. I think he was upset when he found out she was having an affair. But he was using it as social leverage. That's why this was so damaging to him that she was having an affair and it was public knowledge. And and, and so upsetting when he realised that everyone was gossiping about it behind his back. Well, this was the thing. And so when this letter turned up talking about the fact that Teresa was engaged in this affair... He at least, as his first act, sent a friend to check out what was going on, and that friend observed a woman who matched Teresa's description entering through the rear door of the place in question where they were meant to meet up, and then a man resembling Key's description entering through the front. And they then stayed for approximately uh, an hour, give or take. Uh, Basically, later on, it was discovered that Key had been watching from a nearby club, like a private members club, using his opera glasses, you know, looking for the the right woman to turn up at the place. And I can imagine that would have felt incredibly naughty in a quite sophisticated way, watching (laughs) with your opera glasses. Anyway, so after shooting and fatally wounding Key, Sickles then actually picked up these opera glasses that Key had been using to spy on the movements of Sickles' wife. And then he turned himself in immediately at the Attorney General's office, at this stage presumably not knowing what his defence was going to be, but at least knowing that if you shoot someone dead, in broad daylight, there's going to be no uncertainty about who has done that particular crime. Well, and also he'd been discussing it. It emerged in the trial later with the people indoors before he'd gone out when he, you know, he was told that uh, Key was outside. Um, and his supporter, his political supporter, Samuel F. Butterworth, was inside the house and this emerged in the court, said to him, quote, there is but one course left for you as a man of honour. You need no advice. Which, of course, ironically, was spectacularly bad advice. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he then went out and shot him. But it's worth underlining, not just because he missed him the first time, then fired a second time, which hit him, then lunged at him and then shot him twice more at close range. So he shot him four times. Mm. Yeah, including once in the crotch. I mean, yeah. very much driving the message home. On the nose. Well, this really became the thrust of the argument of Sickles's seven defence attorneys. You know, he had this huge team working for him. So one of them, John Graham, at the start of the trial, meticulously laid out the full evils of adultery, even quoting Shakespeare's Othello uh, on <laughs> the agony of discovering the infidelity of one's wife. And, uh, and Graham made this very clear distinction between murder, which he 
said, was committed with malice and a forethought, and manslaughter, which is committed... Which is when an important politician does it. <laughs> yeah, right, yes. <laughs> or, uh, when in a state of heat, the heat of passion that ought to be but is not controlled. So this was really all about how a person who is otherwise a very good uh, character and clear mind it can be sent out of control by the passions, the temporary passions, which overcame him and therefore, you know, not guilty. Well, I mean, the public were split on it. Um, within a week, there was a play depicting the murder called Sickles or the Washington Tragedy, which opened in Boston to rave reviews. It was kind of a sense of like the audience were relitigating it themselves, kind of deciding at the end, you know, should he have got guilty or not guilty? Um, and the Tribune, you know, major paper was very unimpressed. They editorialised, mm. quote, We regard this as a most mistaken and most mischievous verdict, a sanction to the substitution of violence and vengeance for reliance on the regular and ordinary redress of grievances through the instrumentality of law. It is a verdict which carries this country a long stride backward toward the age when might was right and all wrongs were redressed by the red hand or mm. not at all. So it was kind of like playing into people's sense of what America was. Yeah, and even Sickles' supporters weren't particularly happy with the outcome of the case, ultimately, which was that Sickles reconciled with Teresa, which I think is kind of crazy considering that part of his defence was leaking her confession to the press. But, you know, but apparently many of those supporters found that harder to accept than the murder itself. They couldn't believe that he had taken back, you know, this fallen woman. Mm. He himself, and again, brass neck, publicly decried the, quote, universal denunciation that she had experienced. I'm like, well, <laughs> you, you caused all of that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you'd maybe just had a conversation behind closed doors, none of this would have <laughs> happened to her. Yes, exactly. And that tied in with what the prosecution was saying throughout the case, which they were saying, look, this doesn't look like insanity. It looks like a nailed on case of premeditation. Mm. He sent a friend out to collect information. He stopped off at his house to arm himself to the hilt. You know, he had a lot of weaponry on his person. 24 when he hours after getting a confession in writing to justify it. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, there was this sort of superimposed O.J. Simpson-like bit of Sickles' testimony in the courtroom where he broke down in tears and all of that. So, you know, this looked to a lot of people like a person capable of great calculation. And so I can completely understand why elements of like Washington society weren't thrilled. Nonetheless, temporary insanity did stay on the books and continues to be used by defence attorneys in the United States successfully employed by Lorena Bobbitt Famously, you remember in 1994, the woman who cut off her husband's penis and people are still effectively getting away with murder as a result of this. Mm. Yeah, and crime of passion was a defence that was being used right up until, you know, recent times. It was from the 70s that laws began to be revised precisely because the crime of passion defence was basically being used to justify men killing unfaithful women. And I mean, in, in Sickles' case, it didn't really do him any damage in the long term. Yeah, people kept voting for him. He was readmitted to Congress in an election and then he served at Gettysburg and became a war hero. But then he spent the rest of his life lobbying for a Medal of Honour. It would take him 34 years to get it. And this was Ooh. based on his actions at Gettysburg where he lost his leg. It was shattered by a cannonball. Later, apparently, he was asked why every general but him was commemorated with a statue at Gettysburg. And I think we can probably guess the answer. He apparently replied, the entire battlefield is a memorial to Sickles. I mean, that's just factually untrue. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow. 
Sorry, how do you go to a duel and forget to bring your dagger? Like surely on the checklist when you leave the house. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.